Hey, everyone. Hey, how we doing? Good. Morning. Good morning. You might hear a female voice today. Hello, Hello. from there Las it is. Vegas. There it is. She's not really in Las Vegas. She's here in northern Nevada. <laughs> Better part of the state. I'm <laughs> the best, yeah. <laughs> but today is a little bit special because it's kind of off of the topic of what we kind of talk about here, where the pavement ends, and I'm excited about this talk. I, I, I get into politics just because I get into it, but I've never really sat down and talked with a potential U.S. senator. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So today we have Miss Stephanie Phillips with us, who is running against... We should we not? We're not even going to say her name yet. Here, as a U.S. senator for the state of Nevada, we have Joel Blakesley, who is the head of our Trappers Union here in Nevada, local real estate agent. Um, Stephanie's also a real estate agent down in mm -hmm. Vegas, owns her own brokerage, and then we have the infamous and famous Uncle Melvin Belding, and everyone loves to hear how we doing, guy, Uncle Mel. So. No Clint, no Alex, no Chad today, just me, your lovely friend, Clay Belding. Hopefully friends at the end of this. Of course. So where do you want to start? I mean, do we, I don't even really want to start in politics because I believe everything anybody ever asks you these days is about politics, correct? Pretty much. Ask her how good of a, uh, yeah. an archery shot she is. Yeah? You like shooting archery? Yeah, I should have brought my bow. Yeah. What I do you was... shoot? I have a Matthews craze, and I brought it up to Lincoln County when I was visiting, and we shot up there, and we had a good time. Is that where you guys met at the Trappers Union there, Orton Union? The Sportsman well, it was Expo. a Sportsman's Convention. Oh, okay, but that's cool. Trappers ran it, so, but it was for all kinds of sports, you know, hunting and fishing, and those Lincoln County guys are <laughs> really into it. For sure. Were you there? Uh, no, or I didn't. You make just met one. her just today. Uh, yes, this is the first time I've met her in person. I talked to her on the phone a couple of weeks ago. But I knew it was going to be important to get her out here and introduce her. And that's what we're doing today, huh? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I kind of want to talk to start about your family. Because in my view, everything bases from the family and where where good comes from, where bad comes from. And how I view my upbringing and how we are today with me and my three brothers or two brothers or three of us. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe it's from my parents, my uncles, my grand, everybody from my family. So that's where I kind of want to start and where I think what leads you into politics and how you're going to vote in certain issues is comes from family roots. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of want to start. Um, and so just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to Nevada? Well, I was born on the East Coast, grew up on the West Coast. So when I was a baby, we moved from Connecticut to Southern Oregon. And we lived up on a hill in the middle of nowhere. We had four neighbors. We had to drive up a two mile dirt road just to get to our house. Mm -hmm. We had to walk down to the bus stop, take a bus to school. But we grew everything pretty much that we ate. We had a huge garden, we had an orchard. And we learned the value of hard work at a very young age because we were always out there, uh, you know, picking weeds and pulling the vegetables out of the garden and, and picking the fruit. And we canned all summer long and put up the food for the winter. And my grandparents lived there. And so we, we did that. Um, we had fresh eggs from the chickens across the street. We had, you know, I mean, we barely bought stuff from the, from the store. 
So we're kindred spirits in that. What's, I have I said we're kindred spirits in that mm-hmm. because I have a huge garden. I garden every day. Chickens have fifty plus chickens. Um, I can, which we're going to eat some of my canned pickles from last oh, year. They're love they're it. Freaking amazing um, for lunch today. But when, when I read that on your bio, I was like, hmm, I like that. You know, because people that come from that, the, the, the roots of that really know what it takes to do get the job done in any mm-hmm. aspect whatever job you're doing yeah i think that kids nowadays i think that they should all have that kind of training you know spend a summer doing that kind of thing or at least being exposed to that because i also lived in the city in the bay area in california so um i know the difference between the two and you learn so much by um you know, with both sides. So, and most kids, you know, they grew up in one place and they stay and they don't, they may not have exposure to both. Um, but anyway, I thought that it was, it was important and, and we worked hard. And um, then when I was 12, we moved to the Bay Area, uh, South San Jose in a place called Elmenden Valley. And I went to Leland High School, which is where a year after I graduated, Pat Tillman went to that high school. Yeah. And um, so we uh, we got a taste of city life, and then after that, I went to Santa Barbara, and went to school, and I was working for a real estate developer while I was in college as a part time job, and they bought some land in Las Vegas, and when I was done with school, they were talking about opening an office in Vegas and you know getting this land ready to build on, and I said, well, I'll go for six months, and then I'll come back to California and do what I was gonna do. 30 years later, here we are. (laughs) That's the rest of the story. (laughs) That was it. How long did it take you to start your first business? Is is your real estate brokerage your... Yes, I started that 18 years ago. 18 years. So I got into the uh, land, you know, the development part, the construction end of it. And then once the houses were on the ground, they're like, okay, you got to get your license and sell them. And I said, no. I don't want to, I don't want to be a salesperson (laughs) at all. And then ended up getting my license. I was 25 and, um, the rest is history. Uh, We only need to buy every one of those houses 18 years ago. Right. We'd all be sitting pretty. 30 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I went to school. I went to college. I played college baseball at UNLV down there from 96 to 2000. Um, so I've been in Vegas, but I would never leave Reno even though it's getting infiltrated by Californians and everybody I it's fine funny how I everybody not everybody a lot of people leaving California hate what's happening in California because Mm -hmm. of all all the crap right Right. all the they vote for this and they've been voting it for it and then they come here getting away from it and they vote the same way I never understood that you do well they grew up in that culture you know, people are a product of their culture, you know, just like we were talking about where you grow up, who who you're exposed to, what, what kind of teachers you have. I mean, you, you look at the culture in Reno, you look at the culture in Las Vegas, look at the culture in Pioch. You know, it's 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 different every place from microcultures to macro. And it's hard to, you're saying it's hard to break that. So when they go to a new space, they... they well, it's like... Mel and I've talked about some of the people that we've met in the Department of Wildlife that came from there. Well, they don't 
the the first time I met one of our directors, we we had a, a deal on trapping, and I met him at a party afterwards, and he said, "Man, that's not the way we do it in California." And I said, <laughs> in "You're you're so right." <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I think Joel. I think I, I think and Clay, Stephanie also. I mean, Vegas is a is a step up from. It's completely different than Reno. When when you talk about the different cultures, Joel, and it's interesting, but in Vegas, it seems like they're separated from each other. I mean, they, they have their own little district of town where they live. Um, where in Reno, we're, we're more a melting pot. <clears throat> but in, in Vegas, you can see the different neighborhoods. The different neighborhoods, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's different than what we see here. I love coming out to the rurals. I loved being in in Lincoln yeah, County. Yeah. Well, I, I felt like I was at home. Well, that's what I was going to say because just, obviously coming from, I mean, most of your adult life in bigger cities, California, Vegas, right? To to win Nevada, you're going to have to win the rurals, mm-hmm. right? Right. So your upbringing in in Oregon and learning about small town hard work is going to correlate to those people. So how are you how do you yeah. how are you going to get that message across? I mean, are you traveling daily, weekly to these places? Not um, not daily or no. weekly, but I am going to get to every single county and I've been to a few already. I've been, you know, pretty much all over the state. Um, but I'm going to get to every single one and what they tell me when I go is thank you for coming to visit us because nobody goes to visit and I say nobody and they say not one and and it doesn't matter if it's nye county if it's up in carson or if it's uh, lincoln wherever it is it is the same because they all believe that washoe and vegas run the state which i mean they run a lot of it. they do by numbers but the rules they're important their votes count too and very important and i think that that all candidates should go and meet all of those people and no i'm gonna make it my mission i'm gonna get to everyone and and it's a good mission it's admirable it it really is i wanted to say something when you said it but joel and i both um had a couple of girls and uh they were both in 4-h and they raised animals in ffa and you know you touched on something that I, i think about a lot is having an animal is a responsibility and when you give that responsibility to a young child when, when they get into 4-H Joe what are they five six years old yeah they're responsible for that animal and I think it really carves out something for that child later on in life being responsible for those Clay talks about his chickens Clay's 45 years old He's got 50-some chickens. Um, but it's something that you, you can't ignore. You, you you have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like having a dog throw out some dry food once in a while. And Joel and I have had these discussions also. But um, when you have livestock, it's a responsibility. And I, I think it brings something out in a person for success later in life. Mm-hmm. 100 percent and I've, I've I've always said in school we should um, have classes based around stuff like that instead of just making it an option to you know do math or whatever but I think there should and I, I probably in I don't know in rural counties they might but here in Washoe County they don't offer any 
Not anymore. When, but when yeah. I went to school, Did to they? the same schools that you went to, it was offered. I mean, home ec was offered. Mm-hmm. You know, we had typing. We had, uh, of course. Well, I'm talking about like raising animals. Even like raising animals. Even... I mean, we had, a, we had a class we could go to for that. It, it's still here. My granddaughter just sold her market land for $2,000. Well, I know FFH is, yeah. but I'm through yeah. school. Not like, through the school. Yeah, no, not through the school. No. no. Some of this stuff should be required. Yeah. I mean, some of this other curriculum that they have. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Should if you want to talk about, about that, but some of this other curriculum that they have brought into our schools, why aren't they teaching these kids how to balance a checkbook, open a bank account, about politics? Politics affects every mm-hmm. aspect of our lives, and people, they don't want to get involved, they don't want to talk about because it. That, it's, you know, it's that terrible it, subject, but, you know, all these other things, the home ec classes, those should be required these life skills that kids should be learning and you said it responsibility regardless of what it is a lot of kids just don't have responsibility and when they're not given responsibility and no discipline no accountability yes they sit on their phone that's, that's and exactly they right. and they play these video games social and media. The, yeah, social media that's all they do and yeah. they're just completely down here instead of you know speaking with people and learning how to talk and learning how to you know uh, be social and when my kids or i've got two kids and when they grow up i refuse to buy them an xbox they never had video games those ps4s what are they my called kids don't. <laughs> no, i refuse to buy those yeah, and your, your daughter graduated with honors and your oh, son's over at cedar yeah. city and, yeah you know. no they're they're excellent kids they're responsible um they're they're just they're but successful if, you, if they and, allow that stuff in the school mm-hmm. they couldn't indoctrinate how they want to control their minds true to get them to where they need them mm-hmm. when they're adults yeah and that's voting for the machine right that is just one of my my main thing is the kids we have got to save our kids and we as the parents and the adult if we don't step in in mass numbers and stand up for them um and and stand against this indoctrination and these things that they're doing to our kids and our girls in their private spaces and just the horrific things that you would think would never even need to be discussed or talked about or argued about it's astounding what what I see out there. So it's our responsibility. We have to stand up for them. And that's the thing. I, I most conservatives have all. I mean, I've always been. It's like leave me alone. I'm cool. Let, live my life. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about my hunting or my trapping or my how I make my living or any of that. Just leave me alone and do your deal. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's how mo- I think most Republicans are. They're more accepting of most things, but. Now it's shoved down your throat, but I think it's we're a step behind a lot of the other side because they control everything, and we're just so used to just being, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But now we have, like you're saying, it, if we don't start fighting back, it's going to be a lost well, cause. I mean, we're almost to that point. Well, that's the thing. We're not into controlling. We're into independence. Yeah. You know, right. self-reliance. Less government. Yeah, yeah very exactly. less government. Yeah, the federal government has gotten so inflated and out of control you know they're spending they're wanting to control every aspect of our lives and that was never the intention from the very beginning i believe that that was supposed to just be a you know an overseer and and the power was supposed to be with the states and you know over the years they 
start all of these programs and all of this money that has to keep all of this stuff going. And now we've created this monster and this out of control spending. How do we reel that back in? We've got to cut back and they don't know the meaning of cut back and you know, they're just the wasteful spending. And so there's, there's a lot of things that we need to, to reverse and, definitely less government. Yeah, I want to get into certain issues here in a little bit, but I still Mm -hmm. want to go back to your family. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned daughter and son. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about them. So they, my daughter is 18. She just graduated high school. Cimarron. Uh, No, Faith Lutheran. Oh, oh, Mm -hmm. private. My kids have always gone to private school. And because way back when, when I'd be selling homes to people and I would listen to what they said about the public school system in Vegas, in my head, I would always say to myself, if I ever had kids, I am never gonna send them in the public school system. (laughs) So they have gone to private school and they've done really well. My daughter graduated with honors. She had over 4.0. My son had a 3.9 GPA, was a football player. Both of them were athletes. And my son goes to SUU now. He's going to be a senior next year. He's 21. And he's in uh, ROTC and joined the Utah Guard. And so now he's at Fort Knox right now doing some training. So he'll be back in in a week or so. But he wants to go infantry after he graduates and go into the special operations. So that makes you, what do they call blue? Blue Blue star mom. Blue star Mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. What What does your daughter want to do? I believe she's going to study business management in general. I don't think she knows quite yet what she wants to do, but she would make a fierce prosecutor <laughs> and ever or a an incredible politician. The girl can talk for days and she will argue with the best of them. I mean, she started negotiating as young as when she could talk just about the simple things, you know, chores and things like that. But did you bring her into any contract meetings with your other clients? Like, sometimes they I have a new yeah, representative. No, sometimes <laughs> I, I should have just let her have it yeah, because, exactly. yeah, I mean, my goodness, how could you argue with her? Right. So, yeah, every aptitude test she would, it's either a politician or a lawyer. And I've told her, but she's she's not interested in that. So we'll see what either one. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. 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 We'll we'll see, see, yeah. See, we'll, see mama, she's going to hop on that campaign. Yeah. We'll we'll see what she decides. But both very intelligent kids and, you know, they're on the right track. Well, that's good. I mean, which why I wanted to talk about that. It says a lot about you and your character and how you raise kids. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you had a big support group around. Did you have any family or how, how did you? I be a businesswoman and still get to have the kids to that point? Well, sometimes it was tough. Um, I was in Vegas for 15 years before I had any family there. My mom moved to Vegas um, in that 15 year mark and then my sister shortly followed and they were still in California. And now my dad and his wife, they moved to Vegas a year and a half ago. So now they're, they're out there too. You brought them all. Yeah. My sister, and she's since left, and she lives in South Dakota now because they like the colder weather and the, they like the politics up there. Christy Nome. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's a great governor. Ooh. And I'm uh, pissed off about her right now, though, was some land stuff I heard. I didn't really see it, but she's fighting for 
like people's rights on their land, but something's happening. I don't know. I didn't really read the with article, the, but with the BLM, where the BLM P is saying they don't have in, to go. Yeah, talk about that coming in and drilling <clears throat> on people's lands without permits. They're, they're certainly stuff? they're certainly not at mad at Christy Noem. Christy Noem oh. just um, testified in Congress about that week before last right yeah she was just last up week. there yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. week before last and I, I just saw dill like i said which is very wrong of me which well they're, they're I rip a lot of people's they want to make it to where they don't have to go headlines. through NEPA. you know they don't have to follow their own rules that we'd have to follow and that's why it's so important some people out there might be wondering why uh, especially myself and joe and you know when you get involved why do we have to be so involved on the federal level and it's 87% of Nevada's public domain. So just about every decision that's made affects us more than it does a person in Texas, California, even Oregon. You know, we're 87%. So we're trying to fight for wildlife. We're trying to, you know, matter what you want to talk about wilderness, whatever. You know, we're trying to keep it away or bring it on. And, and, and that's why our lives are so affected with federal government and we have to be able to have a voice to them. And that's why I think things like this are important. Mm -hmm. It is, and I, I mean, when you're talking about federal government just in Nevada, we've talked about how it affects our daily lives with hunting, that there's a there's a law every, for everything now. There's a law where you're talking about, we never thought that you would even have to think about things or have a law to affect it with mm -hmm. shed hunting and what times you can go do that and are should we have more laws so we need it we need a um you know more taxes to have a sticker on your udv you need all these things that bring government in and allow you allow them to run it basically and if you don't you get fined or taxes or whatever it is but you're like oh well we need a law for this there's a law for flying drones with wildlife there's a law for this which 99 percent of hunters would never you would never even use think you would need to use a drone for hunting but there's that you know one little sliver that takes it now they have to make a law mm -hmm. which affects everybody else there's you know trapping laws that affect you now you have to do it 72 hours and not 96 hours mm -hmm. all, there's all these little things that more govern more government and you're like well pass another law to say no to that and we're like well that defeats the purpose because it's just another another level of Government well, laws, laws accumulate. I mean, it just, I mean, there were a thousand bills introduced into the Nevada legislature this yeah. year. A thousand of them. It's insane. At least, you know, yeah. if if we'd have passed every one of those, and if we'd have done it last year and the year before and the year before that, before long, you got a million laws. Yeah, there was something yeah. I saw that Lombardo vetoed the maximum, like, like seventy-five of them, the, mo the most ever yeah, by a governor yeah. to veto. Jim, Jim Gibbons had the, held the record like at forty-six or something, and. Lombardo went to like 75. Well, we need the one law that we need to put on the books that is we need to get rid of 10 laws before we can pass another law. Well, which he tried <laughs> to bring that with his, with these regulations, but it never it never went to fruition. Well, yeah. Or we just need to enforce the laws that are on the books. Well, like wild, Maybe, like wild horses. Wild, wild, right yeah. wild, <laughs> wild horses. Perfect lead in. <laughs> wild horses. You talk about gun laws. I mean, there's so many gun laws on the books, and now they just want to keep passing more and more and more. Well, why would yeah. you? Just, well, at least he vetoed you, the three. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like the way I like the way you know Clay is showing his consistency here because he he is a conservative, and he just wants to be left alone. He was saying that earlier yeah. in the past, you know, and it's the truth. It's well, well you know, well, we well, can govern ourselves a lot better than someone can govern us. I, I honestly believe that. Well, yeah, print the money, stand up an army, 
and get out of my way. Yeah. You know? 100%. And where where do you fall on it as far as... Well, when you were talking about hunting, so my my son has hunted in Nevada for years, and he went with my brother-in-law before they moved away to South Dakota, and they really enjoy that. And you've got these bureaucrats that probably have never hunted a day in their life, don't know anything about guns. The way they talk about guns, you know they don't know anything about guns. Yeah, right, the assault rifle. Um, And they're making these laws and they have no idea how it affects people and you know a lot of people look at hunters and so it's bad you're killing these animals and when you're killing these animals you're maintaining the the population of them and it's food for people you know my freezer was full of of deer and elk and antelope and and all these things and it's wonderful meat and it's pure and it's it's better than you know what you get in the stores with all the antibiotics and everything comes from yep Mm -hmm. exactly that's what we have a we have a division of our uh one of our brands under our umbrellas of companies called the provider um and so we all the stuff that we kill throughout the year we cook on that tv show or youtube or stuff we'll pull in on the road during the hunting season when we'll grind up the 50 geese that we just killed and pull into a uh police station or a firehouse or a hospital and stay out there and cook for however many people until the food runs out um so we have cookbooks and rubs and spices that which I don't, i'm not trying to throw a plug in there but i'm just saying that way of life hunting and conserving it's the oldest oldest form of conservation trapping and hunting and the, and the numbers of animals that allow people to go sightsee and bird watch and do this it is because of hunters putting in the money and doing doing the work the yeah. people that are complaining about hunting it's just the cause it's a reason for them to raise no. money and they don't understand it they don't understand the money that you know the the hunting community puts in there and yeah. and I, when my son was he played football all the years that he was at, at faith lutheran and they were serious about the schedule i mean they controlled your lives for you know a yeah. good six months but it always was during hunting season and i remember i talked to his coach one time and you know, they didn't want to let him go. And I said, listen, you know, this provides food for our family. And I've been a single mom for 16 years. I mean, my kids were two and five when I got divorced and just having that food sitting in the freezer. I mean, it's, it's important. So they let him go, but you know, he got penalized yeah. a game or whatever it was, but it was important for him to learn and, and he enjoys it and he loves I, it. I truly believe hunters have a big platform to bring quote unquote liberals whoever the other side pull them our way a little bit because if you look around you know you talk about liberals and living off the land and protecting the land and do all these things we've been doing that our whole lives we've never preached about it we've never done anything about it. we just we've done it right mm-hmm. and so we've done it we've used our platform and television to bring that across we've gone out and got people that have never hunted never shot women that have never hunted or anything and eaten that they come out and it's just like i never knew it was like this all i know about is from tv and the talking points but when they come actually do it 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 opens their mind to just wow this is how i've been wanting to live and i i preach it I preach about protecting the land. I protect it throughout the how environment. Many, how many guzzlers has he built? Built guzzlers. All we do how is many? protect the land. 
I have. I. I. I, I just just don't to know. give me in a, just <clears throat> hundreds. Oh yes, yeah, hundreds. Yeah, rebuilt and rebuilt. Yeah, but that. And I was going to mention, you know, the fact that not only is Clay a hunter like we are, um, we haven't done as much hunting because of the way Nevada is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Clay never had the opportunities that I had, of course, because of Joel. You know the draw and the reduced numbers of animals and but what we have done and and um we've given back um we we do we raise money um in many different ways for many different ngos we do we build guzzlers we beat sagebrush to get seed we you know and that's in the winter and then you know the hottest time of the year we're out there beating you know bitter brush to get the seed and we get to play with the spiders and we get to do this and we get to go plant this stuff and you know most sportsmen and this is the first time i really opened up about it but most sportsmen we don't need to pat ourselves on the back i mean we're going to do it with actions don't tell me how hard you work show me how hard you work and that's something that the other side just doesn't have they don't have that drive um well, they have a different motivation, our yeah, motivation. And, and, and again, it goes back to culture, like you were saying, yeah. and money. Well, we want more animals, obviously. It's our self-interest. Things work better when you work for your self-interest. That's why capitalism works. Yeah. The other side, their motivation is not to make more animals. It's to stick a thorn in our side. Well, not only that, that they but, don't do it, so they don't want us doing it. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That, their motivation is totally different. It's a negative motivation versus a positive motivation. It is, but mm-hmm. I, I also think it, I mean, a big thing is about money and the cause. And there's it, not just hunting, but there's so you can go down the uh, thing about how they keep the, you know, racism. All these points that they talk about, they keep alive because if it ended... There's no way for them to raise money off of Black Lives Matter and all, oh, all these I, things. Yeah. These points that they just they keep going. They talk about it. They want it to end, but they don't want it to end because if it did end, they would have no way to raise money mm-hmm. on a, so many sticking issues. They just push their social, you know, issues to get more money and all of that. And you're right; they have to keep talking about it because it can't end. They have no other narrative. They have nothing else. Yes, nothing. It's all of this. And if people would stop talking about those types of things and i think you i mean the the racism in this country is let's look back decades ago what it was and and let's look at how far we've come in this country and how far people have evolved and the ones i I call them race baiters they just want to keep that that moving and keep it talking the biggest race baiter in the past couple administrations a black man barack obama Mm. It's terrible. It just divides people. <laughs> it is. And then the media takes a hold of that, gets on social media, and I don't believe we're as divided as what they would have no. us believe. I've told that to so many people. If you got a whole bunch of people in the room and you put 10 issues on the table, we could probably agree on 7 out of 10. Yeah, I agree. Forget the media. Forget all of these outside you know, talking people. The majority of America, we're in the middle. And we're not racist, and it's not this narrative that they want to push. Yeah. And and America's, you know, America is the best country in this world, and we need to preserve our American values. Well, I could have said it better myself. Well, you're right. When I when I speak about politics and stuff, and, and uh, I talk about archetypes, and there are different 
types of people with different motivations. The ones you guys are talking about, the money people, they're professionals. Mm -hmm. That's their stock and trade. That's what they have to sell. You know, it's like you have your products to sell. That's their product to sell. And in order for them to make money, they have to promote their product, which is race or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's That's their stock and trade. Very good point. Wilderness. Yeah. Any, any wilderness is a great, great example of it because they don't, they don't want to get all the wilderness right now this year. They'll be out of business next year. Mm-hmm. So, oh, we came close, you know, because oh, we oh, got to yeah. keep fighting. Humane Society of the United States, same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, we almost got the leashes on the dogs, you know. We got you got to give us some more money so we can keep getting, you know. And, but, and in the meantime, they, they don't have one single shelter for animals, they, <laughs> but they have a name. Oh yeah, the Humane Society of the United States that have probably it, killed more animals. They they do nothing <laughs> nothing for animals, but Peter's the same way. But they're lobbyists. They're professional yeah. lobbyists. They. They just raise money. That's all they are is a, a money-raising organization. I'm going to switch gears on you. Okay. When you get in, I, I think it goes this. We got to do a bill, even though we're talking about less government. We got to change the way the bill is, the, the law are right now against waterfowl. Okay? So I'm sure you probably know a little bit about it, but I'm going to explain it a little bit to people out there that don't know. Each state dictates how much or how many birds you can kill a day and what type of species you can kill a day. There's a a daily limit and a possession limit, okay? So now you're allowed to kill here in Nevada, every state's different, seven ducks a day and three geese a day. Might went to two, but three three. three still, okay? Now, how we live, like you talked about, that provides food for my family and friends and stuff and people that even eat it that don't hunt. Mm-hmm. However, the law right now says I can only have, it's a three-day possession limit, correct? I think now? two on ducks, isn't it? I don't no, know. it's three. I'm, I'm not Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Is, is it three? three? So, so you're allowed minutes? to have 21 ducks. Now, if I was to take those 21 ducks and nine geese, if I killed all those in a, on a weekend, from the starting day, opening day of duck season, I'm going to have to turn those into jerky, eat them, anything so on the fourth day i can go kill another seven birds or any amount of birds because if a warden came to my house and i had 50 ducks in my freezer i would get a ticket even though i killed seven ducks legally legally every day which you can kill seven ducks a daily limit but you can only have a three-day possession limit okay so now if i wanted to go out hunting on the fourth day like i said i'd have to go kill eat or process and turn to jerky seven of those birds just to kill another day. Now, who came up with something like that? <laughs> well, let's, let's, Politicians. But let's, but let's look at the pros and cons of it. Non-hunting bureaucrats. <laughs> yes. Joel, what are, what are, what are the, one of the cons about, or what is one, why do we have to have possession limits? Why, you, you, you've been on the board many years ago. You set these regulations yourself. Well, it depends on what animal you're talking about. No, we're talking ducks. Let's say ducks and geese. Let me hear. I I don't think you need possession limits. I mean, if if you're getting as many daily and you're staying within the law, who cares? Because there's... How many you got in your freezer? There's wardens out there to to catch you. Now, again, just like people that run elk and get their horns or do other things, fly drones to build up lactic acid and big game animals so they're there the next morning and just shoot them. 
those hunters are not true conservatives. There, there's always going to be in any facet of life, you're going to have your outliers mm-hmm. that cause problem for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So there's warrants out there to catch you kill eight ducks a day or have 28 if you on, on the second day of the season and you're up at Boulder and you have 16 ducks, well, you're two over your possession limit because it's only on the second day. So there's wardens out there to catch you doing something illegal. We pay for those salaries to catch you. Now we don't have enough, but at the same time, they can't put a law on saying seven ducks a day and then three days later say you can't kill anymore. Well, I'll tell you the way I would argue it, put on my lawyer hat for a minute. Okay. The wildlife belongs to the state. It's the property of the state right now. You buy a license from the state to convert that property to your personal property at the point that it becomes my personal property whose business is it what i do with it Mm -hmm. i can that's that's as simple as i can put it because the the way i see it where i the reason i'm coming with we do a lot of big game cooks or cookouts with family and friends Mm where we do it constantly throughout the year and if i had to only at the end of the year have 21 ducks Mm -hmm. that's going to kill or feed four people Mm-hmm. You know, on a mm-hmm. deal. If I want to save up all my meat for a huge dinner at the end of the year, feed hundreds of family, I should be able to do that. Yeah. The government shouldn't be able to come in and say, oh, well. It's, it's your personal property. Personal property. If, if I sell you a truck, should I be able to tell you you can only <laughs> you drive to, it so many miles yeah. next year? Or you have it's to have it's your truck. Yeah. It's your truck. Do what you want with it. You yeah. know. Now, if Colton was here, we'd have to have more ducks. I, I you know, Colton would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Colton McKivitz is a lineman for the 49ers. and he okay. came. He's a big time hunter, and he came up, and we made dinner a couple weekends in a row for him. And then another, the tight end came up because he said it was so good. So he brought another teammate up. Next and thing then, you know, you're going to get a quarterback <laughs> or something. You know. <laughs> and so where do you where do you see yourself on that? I mean, you know, kind of simple base. It's pretty simple. That's pretty much common sense. And, you know, when you put that in simple terms like that, it's like what we were talking about before. Government has gotten too big. And why should they be able to tell you that? What to do with your food that is yours that you killed? And it's I just I don't agree with any of that. Less government is better. So, yeah, we need to back them out of that's a really good example of of one of the things that they shouldn't even be involved in and then he kind of mentioned it before is sportsmen's we kind of govern ourselves yeah we know that we we're not going to go there's no reason to go kill 100 ducks a day we Mm -hmm. we, we're because we're conservationists yes we take some out of the ecosystem every year by hunting them but there's no geese there's a reason (laughs) there's a reason for that that because they cause so much damage Mm -hmm. snow geese is a whole other that's a depredation thing um or Canada geese in some places. <laughs> but we govern ourselves. So mm-hmm. the majority of hunters are going to, like, I'm, I'm not going to go out and kill 100 ducks because it's, you. I don't need to brag about myself. Mm-hmm. And it, the ducks, animals, or brains are that big. You know, every their animals are so small. And so as talking of as, as a hunter if you need to go brag oh i killed 100 ducks today no one's going to do that no one's going to do that yeah majority but of there's always one that there wants is. to to ruin it for and everybody so, so else there's wardens there to catch them right and that's yeah, the I mean, reason why laws are made yeah. is because of the, the around here that's all well, you hear about is it? You, you, oh we have to protect you know there's only two guys two percent 
But you, we still have gone, to have those law. You've gone to Canada. Yeah. Hell, I went up there and all those ranchers up there, they said, hell, I'll get the backhoe out, fill it, fill the whole 100%. foal, you know, because they're in their cornfields. Yeah. You know, by the millions and billions. And they are. It's amazing. I, I remember we had 3,000 ducks coming in one day, and there's three of us sitting there, and we all shot the same one. <laughs> 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 well, it kind of goes, I mean, just with ducks, too, it was, you're talking about how the animals are property of the state, right? Yeah. And we, I always go back to the story with our uncle, Lavor. His sister's married to this guy named Lavor Smith, and they live in northern Nevada on a pretty big ranch up there. And his it was his dad's prior to that. And he's basically one of the reasons why we have... Um, not depredation, uh, landowner tags here in the state of Nevada, which on cultivated land, if you have cultivated land, if you have 30, 50, 50, 50 head of animal, you're allowed one deer tag or animal, whatever it is. Or antelope. So if they come, because they come and eat your alfalfa or your whatever you're growing on your cultivated land, they give you a tag to compensate, compensate you for the loss of grain or whatever it is that they're eating off of you. So you can sell that tag to joel for ten thousand dollars or however much you want and try to recoup some of that loss that they're eating well it was never like that so ori uh his grandpa his dad he came over and or there was a whole bunch of deer eating out of his field and he kept calling saying hey we need to do something about this you need to come get your deer off of it and they're like nah they're just wild or whatever they're like no you're they're, they're your deer come get them they're <laughs> killing me eating all my food mm-hmm. they're like nope so he called back the next day and said well if you don't come here tomorrow you're going to have 300 dead deer in my field they're like they were there the next day getting them off off of this field and that's something <laughs> and, and that was the deal he was like Lavor has the <laughs> he could come get your goddamn deer off of my goddamn ranch. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if that's the case, they're you know if I can't kill them, then you're going to give me something basically for they're causing so much destruction on my land. And our kind of family is the reason why we have landowner tags here in the state of Nevada now. But it's kind of funny. I the government, like you're saying, is just so big. They think they need to stick their hands because it's all about money. They have to mm-hmm. be able to tax and get money to feed all the other things that they're doing send it to ukraine right so yeah yeah let's talk about that (laughs) (laughs) see that's why i think when when i kind of started before we started podcasts everybody and i before you even got here i was telling him being a conservative woman and everybody can go to your website and get on and see where you stand on the issues Mm -hmm. um so i think every time you talk to somebody they're going to ask you about these stuff and i i my view is as a conservative woman we're probably going to agree on 98 percent of everything if not 100 percent. and when you do become the first female republican mm-hmm. u.s senator from nevada mm-hmm. it's going to be good right and we, that's why i think a, yeah no we, we never had, had a, a female no we're making history yes Whoa. And that, not, yeah that's what i'm saying hey. not only that is <laughs> it's, it's right hey that's a it's even more of a reason it's all and so so what do we have to do i know i know there's some groups out there um i can't remember veterans for politics I think that's a group mm-hmm. uh, that, that they they lay out a, a, a lot of good points of what we should do as conservatives, especially Republicans in the state of Nevada, because it's a very hotly contest. It's going to be a very big contest in Nevada for the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we what they kind of point out is there's these things that we need to do is 
get libertarians and you know the tea parties get out males get out because in politics right now females are basically taking over i mean they're they're there's so many females that are in positions that they've never held before Mm -hmm. and so i think we need to get a point across of being this is where i stand and there's no way for a male that's going to come in and beat in the general get that out of there's no way it's not going to happen here in state nevada so we have to get the point across of getting males out of the primaries and getting a point to the tea parties that you're not going to win you're just going to steal from us so i think that's a big point how we need to get you as elected Mm -hmm. not just based on your on your issues Mm -hmm. because there's things behind politics that need to happen because on the issues, you're going to win 99% of Nevada. All the rurals you're going to get, everybody's going to support you. The people in Vegas and, and Reno that's going to come down and, and basically decide the election, we have to get those people, <laughs> we have to get them centered around voting for a, a new idea coming mm-hmm to get the point across and everybody that's in the general has to get behind one candidate right or in the primary not the general yeah and so that's where i think so what can we do to help you so i have heard exactly what you just said i have heard that from so many people everywhere i go people and i don't say it they say it to me and it's and we've seen what our prior elections we've seen what happened we saw in the last cycle and we keep running these candidates over and over again and they're the same ones they run they lose they run they lose and nevada needs to do something different so until we do something different we're going to have the same results and the other thing is is voter apathy you know we have people all over the state like we were talking before they don't want to be involved in politics but we need to get people engaged we need to get people involved all age ranges all people from from every corner of nevada because we can see the destruction to our country and we can see what what they're doing and they've been doing this for a long time this didn't just start two years ago this is like you know the slow boil and now it's you know the frog's been sitting there and now it's up to a boil and it we're at crisis level so 24 is a pivotal election it is so important and we need to take back the senate and we need to take back our white house and and keep the house uh to the gop and we just if we don't do these things we are going to lose our our country but getting people involved and getting people to understand what you just said those those basic principles and all you have to do is look at past elections and yeah women are women are very efficient and we multitask and we're moms and i think that's what makes us good and in my field i've had a 30-year career of negotiating mediating advocating representing bringing two sides together for a common goal that's what a public servant and an elected official is supposed to do I do that every day of my life. Well, that's what I was going to say. Not only do you do it every day, but you put your money where your mouth is, too, because mm-hmm. I doing a little bit of research that I have um, on you. 
when you get to a point in life, growing up, you know, if you're well off, if you're not well off, you see certain things in life that you are attracted to, meaning I want to help out here. I want to help out here. I see something that I can fix here. I, I can do that better. And all these issues come up. And I think one of the things with you, what, what brought me, um, you know, to like your agenda is how you are with kids and outside of your own children. Um, and reading about what you're doing with uh, Den Mothers is awesome. Mm-hmm. So can tell me a little bit about that. I know you don't have a lot of time, especially that it talked about how Den Mothers is going, but yeah. tell me about Den Mothers and where that money, like we we're talking about how you are doing things. You've been doing mm-hmm. things your oh, whole, yeah. whole career. For decades. And yeah. now you just want to serve at a higher level. Right. So right. I think a lot of people that they just kind of see the headlines about you and your issues, a lot of people that's, where most people yeah. are going to go, but to to see the real person of what yes. you've been doing your whole life is more meaning to me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit as, about that. I mean, as soon as I had a job and would would pay um, tithe, I believe in tithing, and I've always given money um, either to the church or to organizations, nonprofits, and I've been involved in children's charities and nonprofits for decades. Uh, one in particular, Shared Hope International, that was started by Linda Smith, and she used to be in Congress. She was a congresswoman, and she's from the state of Washington, and she started Shared Hope International, and I got involved, in, and I've given thousands and thousands of dollars, and I've you know, been involved. I've volunteered my time, other charity in, in Las Vegas, Serving Our Kids Foundation. I've been involved with them, and they provide food for kids on the weekends that don't – they go home, and they don't have the – the meals at home and enough food so they give them a bag of food and they go home and they can get through the weekend until they get back to school and get breakfast and lunch from school so those types of things have always uh, you know just tugged at my heart and I knew I always wanted to have my own nonprofit, and I always I eventually I want to have a facility on the ground in not only Nevada but every state in the country I want to have a den mother's facility where I can house uh, trafficked kids, runaway teens, pregnant teens, abused moms, you know, the needy, the hungry, anybody that that needs just the basics of life. I want to be there and I want to help these people. And when I'm done with with politics and I retire, this is that's what I plan to do full time is to run my nonprofit and to take care of kids. So the, the sex trafficking industry, that's why I, I talk about that quite a bit because we see what's happening at our border and we see sec, the sex trafficking industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. And I was with um, this gentleman, I know it's disgusting, yeah. I was with this gentleman a couple of weeks ago at a Republican women's group and he was speaking and he works uh, for on a federal task force against sex trafficking and and I sat with him afterwards and I said what is your budget for this and he said the DOJ gives him 12 to 13 million that's it to combat a multi-billion dollar a worldwide enterprise that they do with these kids all over the world and I you know that's just one of the things that I intend to change and to get proper resources funding to these people that are willing we have veterans out there that are are fighting trafficking 
all over the United States. And there's so many people that are willing to just volunteer their time. We need to get them resources and funding, and we need to stop this because it is just runaway. And the the horrible things that they do to these kids, and yeah, I won't get graphic here, yeah, but I have, I have delved into this, and I know what happens, and that's why I put so much of my own money and time and effort to this because it is just horrific, and it's it starts with our kids and ends with our kids. We have to protect them. They're the future of this country. If we don't step in now and do this, our country is lost. Yeah, not not only what you're talking about with trafficking and all the underprivileged kids, but the indoctrination of our schools right now. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It, it's absolutely insane. So that's why I think I've always, me and my middle brother, Clint, we've we've kind of talked about when, when big issues come up, um, we're like, let Obama get elected. Let Obama get elected twice. Let let it, there is a point that it goes too far left, mm-hmm. and I think they've overplayed their hand with a lot of these issues now. Um, when it hits kids, a lot of people just go a little too much. Yep. So I, I'm I'm not trying to say this in a weird or wrong way. I'm glad it got to that point because I think it's going to reverse itself in a big way because. It's just there's some issues that a lot of people, even if they're lean left or a little left, I think a lot of them go, that's uh, that's not right. I, I don't know if I can agree with what you're saying. No, you don't the think thing it's good? I mean, I, I agree with it. Okay, let this person experience for himself what he's doing to himself. I agree with that side. But where I don't agree is that there has been so much harm done to this country just in the past two years, I, I, no it's going gonna, gonna to take us a lot longer to dig out of it. You know, I, I have to say this. I mean, when you talk about children, trafficking, it's one little known fact about Trump. And it, it, it'd be really good if just how much Trump did on that subject, if it was ever brought out public they don't want to talk because, about that no they don't Mm-mm. because he was the only one that's right. who's ever done what he did that's right and from what i understand he done a ton mm-hmm. but I, I i it's just some of this stuff is just not reversible clay i mean it's going to take so much longer to it is to get it back wait, just, i go back to one of my degrees when anybody that's in uh drugs when you get intervention you basically have to hit rock bottom for them to change their life and to change their you know figure out them they're either going to die or figure it out themselves so america's either at that point right we're either going to die or we're going to reverse ourselves and i think however long it takes to reverse ourselves i think we're at that point when because when like we said, we just kind of leave our leave us alone. We you, like you our independence. Pe- the pendulum, the, the pendulum swinging the yes, other way. Because it's there's just certain issues that even the left is tired of. They're just they can't they can't agree with it. So that's the point where you have to get those people issues, and for like this is what they're voting for. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to tie them to the issues and make it a point. And so if these people are voting on issues that fund that or allow that to happen in schools across the country or whatever the issue is, that's the way you're going to beat these people because the left 
leaning left, middle, central road that, you know, whatever how they vote, usually back and forth on, on certain issues. If you can tie certain candidates that you want to attack, you know, quote unquote attack, uh, you have to tie them to these issues that even the left are saying, that's eh, too far out there. The and that's the thing. The kids mm-hmm. issue is that thing. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, we can get where it started. I have my theories about how this all started and the grooming and the uh, and getting it to the point of now even, uh, you know, the who saying that you can't call pedophiles pedophiles because pedophiles don't, you know, it's it's bad to call them pedophiles. You know, so you have to call minor attracted Minor people. attracted persons. So there's certain issues. And I think yeah. even left-leaning people, when it hits the kids, they're finally going, no, we can't do that. And I like I said, I'm glad it got there, not for the kids' sake, but I'm, I think we're finally at the point where most people are going to say, screw you, we got to change, change things. But, but the thing is, is consciousness. Unless it actually hits you in your own family or somebody that you know. Good point. I, I mean, t- just right now, I mean, I, I, I just had an emotional, I, I want to go out and get your guns and go hunting. That's evil. But I don't think about that all day long. I, you know, do do most middle class people understand the enormity of this? Or like you say, you don't want to get graphic. I, I mean, it is just it's it's just hor- horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine that that kind of stuff going on. But the problem we got—it's just like we were talking a while ago. It's, it's culture. The culture in Washington D.C. They're about graft. They're about corruption. I mean, if if you believe that Epstein and all that stuff, hell, they're all into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we we got people running this country that are pedophiles right. and and criminals and 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 just crap people. I mean, you look at Stephanie. I mean, she's a, an exemplary person. I mean. Look, she's, that's, she's that's led, led by example, you know. And that's why I wanted to start with her family. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but, but but you know what you're going to expose yourself to back there? Creeps and mm-hmm. criminals and, See, and just rotten people. Yeah. I'm going to say something that she can probably talk about way more than me, but if you did any research on her, she talks – you go in – most people, I would think, go into politics because there are certain issues that are like, I need to change that, which she is. There's 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 certain issues that she's really heartfelt mm-hmm. on, right? There's other issues that are going to come around that she has to show left or right. That's how she's going to vote. But she's also talked about how she's only to going to serve, what did you say, two terms? Two terms. Yeah. So term limits is huge because I think the longer you stay in, the more corrupt you get. The more wage you can be bought off, the more committees you have to get in, more stocks that you can trade on that you get back-ended information on to get, make money. But if you can get rid of term limits, I think that would be huge of, of the corruption in, in politics. Because if when she goes and she says she's only going to do two terms, if she does make two terms, hopefully she does, you got to hold her feet to the fire too. Because in eight years, she might go, eh. Well, 12. there's more. 12, 12. Sorry, 12 years. There's more work that needs to be done. So vote me back in. Well, but, but the thing, I mean, there's pros and cons to all this. <clears throat> if I've thought about term, term limits, it's like if the problem with only doing two terms is it takes you that long to get any power. It's like we were talking about committees. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not the chairman of a committee, you're nothing. But don't you think if if 
it was changed to term limits that you only serve two terms. I, I, you, I, you I'm, to, I'm for that now. But if you have there, to bring... There was a time when I wasn't. But I'm saying, you're yeah. saying it takes that long to get something done or that powerful. Right. But if you it would if change. you hold people's feet to the fire, yeah, they well, ha- that has to get done. Because if you don't, you're out. When, when we wrote our Constitution, the idea was that people were going to come go. in off their farms, yep. spend a term or two, like mm-hmm. you're talking about, and go home. Yeah, and yep. they weren't there full-time either. But th- there, there are pros and cons. The legislature's like that right now. You have to educate a whole new uh, bunch of assemblymen and, and senators every session because there's about a 50% turnover down there. And you're absolutely always wondering who it's going to be. But that's, that's good in a way. Because all of a sudden I've got fresh faces. I don't have, I, I know who's rock solid here and who's rock solid here. And if it gets too entrenched, you know, it's, you can't get anything done. It you gets par- paralysis. But yeah. you get somebody that doesn't know the, the issues. That's why a lobbyist is good because a lobbyist can come in and make their persuasive arguments. And and uh, so you, you're right. In some ways, it, it functions better, but the the problem you have is like when I got on the county game board, the first year I was in there, I had to learn the policies and procedures. Yeah. I thought, you know, I know everything about hunting and trapping and fishing, but I didn't know all the policies and procedures. By the next year, I thought, oh, yeah, I remember this from last time, you know, and by the third year, I was functional. But it took me two years to figure out how it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... And that that learning curve, I acknowledge mm -hmm. that and I understand that. But looking at it as a whole, if we had less career politicians... I'm there with you. There. And we had people that were just, you know, you're... It's supposed to be just every... Your everyday average yeah. American that wants to serve their community and the people of their state. Citizen government. They're not there to, to line their pockets. They're not there to get rich. They're not there to stay there there forever and get rich off the backs of American people. That's not the intent. It's supposed to be. You go in, you serve, and then you, I don't, it just has no, completely. I think the longer you stay in creates more it creates the need for more government mm-hmm. because they cause their own problems. Well, for one thing, look look who's attracted to that kind of thing. I bet 90-plus percent of those people are lawyers. There's a lot of lawyers. In, I, I mean, yeah. can you think of any politicians that aren't lawyers? I mean, in a, in a national office, there's a few doctors, mm-hmm. but it's mostly lawyers. There's well, veterans that, what that are, are first, not lawyers yeah what are the first three letters in lawyer <laughs> law that's what they do is they make laws yeah. and and abuse laws and you know it's that's the kind of person you, that's the archetype that's attracted to that kind of a uh, position but i was talking about that i mean it brings me to what we talked about with gun and enforce the laws that are on the books right so even in, in where there's laws on the books in politics or in Washington, I mean, we can talk about Hunter Biden, right? There's just two tiers of justice. Yeah, and he, I think he's if getting I, off with misdemeanors if that we I, would have felonies for. We would all have felonies. Oh, you guys but, would be in prison yeah, already. Yeah. <laughs> but that has to, you have to really force the issues that hit at people. That's where I want to, you know, you mm-hmm. talk about what, what we want to hear and see in politics. One of the biggest things is I don't, 
even being a conservative, I don't care if, if a conservative did something wrong and it's there's a law for it. Fry him. Fry him. Yeah. If there's a if a liberal, do the same thing, but don't do two different things because that's mm-hmm. where the frustration comes in politics. Is there's so many things that happen that allow one side to get away with it and one side that don't. Mm-hmm. And so if there is if there is a way to force the issue of of a one deal, you know, one tier of justice, like it was meant to be, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people, even on the left and right, they can sit back. Like you're talking about how ten issues get people around the table; they're going to agree on seven of them, and we can kind of get around the other three. Mm-hmm. But when seven of those things or those same 10 people get and five of them are allowed to go to jail and five of them aren't, that's where people get pissed off. Yeah, that's what they have used the DOJ, the FBI and the IRS and have weaponized those agencies against Americans. I mean, just look at the the parents going to the school boards talking out, talking about, you know, the curriculum and these books and that they're having their kids read. You can't even read the book in front of the school board at the public meeting and they shut your microphone off, right? Mm-hmm. And and having the FBI and the DOJ label these people as domestic terrorists yeah. and it just has gotten so out of control and that has to stop. That yeah. two-tier justice system, that does not work yeah. at all. I, there's so many issues that, I mean, I could talk for 12 hours on this stuff, but there's so many issues, but I think it comes down to less government and enforce the laws equally that are on the books. That's it. Yeah. I'm a live and let live type of person, less government. And I want to push the people's agenda, not my own. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing it for the name, the fame, the money, the glory. I mean, none of that means anything to me. I can stay home and and make just as much as as what I would make, you know, as a senator. That does not, money does not motivate me at all. What motivates me is getting somebody in there that's actually going to do it for the right reasons, represent the people, and like all these issues that we've been we've been talking about, all legitimate issues and concerns for millions of people yeah. around this country, and it really a lot of it centers around our kids and this culture, this culture war that we're in. Mm. So I intend to be, and, and people say, why why should I vote for you? Why you? Yeah, over, that, that was, was going to be my, how I ended yeah. this podcast. Why should I vote for you? Why? Can, can I say why? Just look at what she's done. I mean, she's involved in this stuff. It, it's just like these, these Anna said the other day, vote for me because of what I've done in Florida. Look at what she's done. She's been involved with these kids, and, and she's done stuff. You know, mm-hmm. she's not just saying she's going to. I mean, she's got a record. It's one word it boils down to, and it's trust. I'm trustworthy. And when whatever relationship you have, trust is number one, right? Yeah. A friendship, mm-hmm. a marriage, a business relationship, you've got to have that foundational trust. And in my entire career, my clients have given, have trusted me. They trust me implicitly. And it comes so naturally and easily. And I've always said, if I gain their trust first, the rest is downhill. Yeah. And that relation, they're trusting me with representing them with most of them, the biggest investment they're ever gonna make in their lives. And I'm very humbled that they give me such trust and I appreciate it very much. But that is my character, that's who I am. And I believe that 
I will go and I will be trustworthy and I'm not going to sell the people of this state down the river like we're seeing some of the elected officials do to us. I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to keep my word and I'm going to do what I say. That's good. Well, thanks. Anything else, Uncle Melvin? Any any final thoughts? Um, final, final thoughts? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm encouraged. Um, I, I, I want to see it happen and I want to help make it happen and um, you asked you know what we got to do we got to get her out there yep. you know we, we we've got to get her out there and 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 we've got to help her any way she needs help financially whatever it can be but let, let, let's just say that I feel this is just a start of what we're gonna do fair enough fair enough <laughs> Yeah, I sent her a $100 donation the other night, and the next day she said, you woke me up in the middle of the night because my phone pinged. And I, <laughs> I said, That's your phone cool. pinged? I said, phone pings every time you, you get Turn a donation. Turn off notifications. <laughs> Turn off notifications. I said, well, well, if I tell all my buddies about you, are you going to get all these pings? And yeah. You know what she said? She says, I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely need the need the donations because these campaigns are so expensive. They are. And until you get in it and you see it and, and you realize where that all goes, yeah, it costs a lot. So, yeah. My website, phillipsfornevada.com, it's the number four. So, yeah, people can go there, see what I'm about, read about me. and Two L's. Two L's. Yep, Phillips for Nevada. Wake her up in the middle of the night, everybody. Can, yeah, ping. My phone can ping all at yeah. once. <laughs> Please Send it late. make it ping. Well, <laughs> whenever you want to come up and do a podcast, whenever you're in the northern part, if you want to do podcasts, or if you want to come here and film some stuff, we got. Like I said, we have all the gear that we've been doing stuff with, so you can come here and film stuff. We can create commercials for you 15 second bumper i don't know what you got i'm sure you have a whole campaign doing that for you but if you need any help with media filming, that's awesome i appreciate need, it editing just let me know thank you i appreciate it thanks for having me on it's been it's good I, be like here. i said i have a lot of other things i talked about but i'm also hungry so we'll I'm leave gonna, that for the next podcast. So, yeah, I'll so, be back. So I'm going I'm to go make us some smash burgers right now with American almond beef. So All right. Hope you're hungry. I'm starving. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. See you next time, folks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.